Hi, I'm Maria Theoharis or VeloSews on social media. Welcome back to Sober 50 Podcast on Soul Organized Style. Grab a cuppa and relax with us. On Soul Organized Style Podcast, I begin today by acknowledging the traditional custodians of the land on which we record this podcast and pay respects to the elders past and present. Before we start, welcome and thanks to a new patron, Maria Lisa, for supporting Soul Organized Style Podcast. Every patron supporter encourages me to keep creating these podcasts for you for free. Thanks for joining us on Sober 50 Podcast on Soul Organized Style. Sober 50 intersects with all communities. We're a community that is so over ageism. Elka or at So Threadbare on Instagram is today's Sober 50 Podcast guest. And I had the pleasure of meeting Elka at Sober 50 Frocktails in September. Elka, thank you for being on the podcast today. I'm really pleased to see you again and be able to chat with you this time. Oh, hello, Marie, and thank you very much for inviting me. And likewise, it was just such a delight to meet you in Edinburgh and now to see you again. It's a great pleasure. Thank you. Thank you, too. The beauty of being in the same room together, it confirms that, yes, we know each other on Instagram, but it's so much nicer to be together. It is. It does create that extra connection, doesn't it? You know, to kind of come across people in the room whom you'd spoken to and you knew what they looked like and you felt you knew them, but to actually see them in real life and to touch them because that's what we did. There was a lot of touching of of clothes going on. And did you make this? Oh, this is lovely. It was a wonderful in real life opportunity. (laughs) Yeah. You know, when we were there, Judith and Sandy did so much work to get us all together and to have like the things that were going to happen that night, which were brilliant. But Sandy was right in saying, okay, we're all introverts, but make sure you say hello to everyone because this is your opportunity. So it was it was quite important that if you were an introvert, you actually had to go up to people and say hello. Yes, and that's very true. And, and I don't know what percentage of the sewing community are introverts. I suspect probably quite a few, and I'm one of them. Mm-hmm. And you, you do sort of get to a point where you think, I don't know what to say now. I've now run out of energy and words. So I think there were a few really lovely people whom I didn't get to talk to because quite literally my ability to talk to anyone and come up with a new conversation had dried up at that point. <laughs> That's which is the right of the introvert. But uh, hopefully there'll be new opportunities. And I did get to speak to so many lovely soloists um, who, are, are follow, who follow me. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Uh, I know we could talk about So 50 Frocktails forever. But we're here to talk about you, Elka. So, Elka, tell us how we can find you and a little bit about your sewing history. You can find me on Instagram as at sewthreadbear. And that's really the only place you can find me. I don't have a great presence on the internet. Yeah, sewthreadbear. There is a threadbear. I've got them here. So you've got the pleasure of being able to see it. That's threadbear. Oh, Um, (laughs) we'll need a photo of threadbear. (laughs) <laughs> I think we do, yeah. And I haven't been sewing for him, which is terrible because he desperately needs some clothes. And he's, he was made by a lovely friend from alpaca wool from her own little alpaca herd. Um, so he has a lot of meaning. He's a lovely little fella, but he needs some clothes. <laughs> so that would be a mission. Yeah, especially with winter coming. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. But my, my sewing history, that's an interesting question. I, I can't remember anyone teaching me how to sew, but I know there was always a sewing machine in the household. And I know my mother made some clothes, but I think really knitting and crochet was much more something we did or, and, and did together. So sewing was maybe a little bit more if and when one had to. So I don't kind of recollect sewing until I 
until I had sewing lessons and sewing class at secondary school. I remember we had a few projects and one was a tote bag. I decided I wanted to make it out of denim. And uh, a gusseted tote bag made out of strong denim is quite a challenge as a first sew, you know, around the corners and all the various layers of denim. I don't know how many I counted and how many needles I broke, but I loved it. I loved the sort of this satisfaction of having made something that I designed as a bit of a stretch, but that I put together that I designed how it should look. And that got me hooked a little bit. And how to, you know, how do you do that? How do I do that so my needles don't break on every corner? Yeah. And that's kind of how I probably started my little sewing journey. You know, I, as those who follow me probably know I was born and grew up in Germany. So I grew up with border magazines and border magazines have fabulous designs. I do love their designs, but the instructions are a bit sparse. It kind of tells you what to do rather than how to do it. My garments tended to look really lovely on the outside and a little bit dodgy on the inside because I had no idea how to do the finishing and how you make it look good. But then sort of as a teenager, I made sort of very simple frocks, very simple sundresses. And it's funny to look back on because I feel as sewers, we quite often constrain ourselves with the perfection of a pattern. And we sort of take away that liberty and freedom of saying, well, it is just a kind of squarish thing, is it not? And if I maybe cut a shape here and cut a shape there, would I not get something that I can wear? So it's sort of that ignorance and confidence of youth, of making things, saying, well, it's just a square, is it not? And it just needs a couple of straps, and then I can wear it like a dress, surely. So um, I probably made a zero-waist dress, <laughs> aged about 14, without having any idea that zero-waist existed. And I just, surely two rectangles and a couple of straps will make a dress. It's probably one of the biggest challenges of us sewers is the sort of the trap of the pattern and feeling you have to do it in exactly that way and then it doesn't quite fit. So, yeah, so I look back to those days fondly of just thinking, oh, let's have a couple of squares and I sew together and here we go, there's a garment. And I made it. And so that's how I kind of got into sewing. I think the real inspiration though for making things was on my father's side, two aunts. They didn't sew, they bought themselves a knitting machine when I was a young teenager. And they got into knitting, creating knitted garments with this machine. Mm. And they created the most beautiful items. It gave me an idea that you can make and design anything you want. You just need to learn how to do that. And a knitting machine was beyond my budget and space. And I could see from the shelf full of woolen cones that my aunts had that it was also a space issue potentially. But the sewing is, I mean, it's all quite similar, isn't it? You're creating something. It's just with sewing, you have a ready fabric. With a knitting machine, you're making your own fabric too. Exactly. Knitting machines were quite popular back in those days as well, whereas I'm not sure that you see them that often now. But then I'm not in that space, so I wouldn't know. I came across it again in Denmark. I've moved around. I've lived in Cyprus and Germany and then obviously settled in the UK. And I found each country quite different in terms of sourcing fabrics and patterns. And so I had a bit of a lull when I settled in the UK in the late 80s, early 90s, because I struggled to find fabrics and patterns that I was used to. You know, I was used to growing up in a big city, um, being able to access fabric and patterns quite easily. And I found it quite challenging in the UK, you know, relatively small towns, not easy to find fabric. So I, I didn't do very much sewing until probably about 10, 15 years ago, I started again. But I was struck by the different approaches different countries take. And Denmark is a very making things country. And 
they have shops of hand knitting. There's probably more to knitting than there are to sewing. And it all looks kind of quite handmade as opposed to perfect, which is some other little, you know, let's not be so perfectionist. It looks beautiful and doesn't look perfect. And they also seem to be into the knitting machines, you know, creating fabric and then making garments from the fabric you've created yourself. That's a great country. I haven't seen many Danish sewists in the community, but I think that's another great country of making. Um, and really making things, designing them yourself and being really proud of them looking as though you have made those rather than having just bought them in the shop. There is a difference. There definitely is, yeah. Now, I've noticed you because you and I have been, and a, and a lot of other people, have been using Julia Allison Cost fabric. Yes. And the way that you've used her fabrics is inspiring. Can you talk us through some of the panel work that you've done yeah thank you that's quite humbling I don't think of myself as using them in in an inspiring way Julia's fabrics I fell in love with when I came across her just as she was launching I'm not really a floral or pattern fabric person most of my wardrobe is muted but I do love from my quilting and patchworking days I came across and absolutely fell in love with Kay Fassett and his super colorful vibrant fabrics And so Julia's fabrics reminded me a little bit of that. You know, they're big and they're vibrant. You know, there's nothing little about her designs. You know, they're all kind of say, look at me, you know, look at this colour. And I couldn't work out what to do with them because I'm not used to wearing that kind of fabric. And uh, the first one I bought was the ginger flower panel. And Julia made a beautiful dress herself out of that. And I thought, that's what you do. You need to use the whole panel, you know. And I kind of thought, that's not really my kind of dress. I'm not really going to wear that dress in the UK. I don't feel confident in wearing that kind of sundress. So what do I do with this panel? And I don't know what eventually kicked into my head. I thought, it's okay to cut it up. I can cut it up. (laughs) So I found a shirt panel. I thought, what do I wear most? Because I want to make something that I will wear and I will like wearing. And I like wearing sort of quite thin poplin shirts, cotton shirts, because, you know, I can walk in them. I do long distance walking and I can just wear them in the garden. I can wear them anytime I want. So I thought, a shirt. And I, I found a pattern and I created full pattern pieces. So I could sort of lay it on the panel and say, if I cut this flower in half, how is it going to fit across my shirt? Yeah. And so I kind of just played around with it on the kitchen table. And once I've cut that pattern in half, that flower, that kind of the words, your oyster, isn't it? You can do anything, really. You know, you've cut a flower in half. <laughs> so, <laughs> the other fabrics I've got of Julia's are repeat prints rather than flower panels. I've got a couple more flower panels and I made, I've got the sunflower, the giant sunflower, which I thought was beautiful. And having sort of been emboldened by cutting up the ginger flower, I thought, you know, I want this flower right full across the front. You know, I'm not bothered about losing bits of the petals. You know, I just wanted to fill the front of my shirt. And so I did. You know, So I'm not worried about losing bits of it, because to me, the design is more than its outline. Julia's designs are much, much more than preserving an outline of the flower, keeping the, the image intact, you know, because they're so vibrant. So that's what sort of inspired me, really. You know, And Julia herself is so encouraging and loves to see you do something different with her designs you know and I think that encouragement as well all the while I was making those garments you know I was chatting to Julia on on Instagram and she was so encouraging it's a joy to sew with her fabrics because she's she's kind of there with you on that journey. She is I love the all over designs because of the colour as you say and it's not tiny prints these are big these are statement prints, but this is her art and this is how she sees 
flowers. And the most beautiful thing is some of the prints, I've got the ranunculus, the red on cream, and you can see the canvas. You can see the kind of the texture of the canvas and the oil paint on it. I think that's just the most marvellous thing. It's definitely going to be on my make an amazing dress next summer list. Yeah, it's been in my in my cupboard waiting. <laughs> I've still got some remnants from two pieces that I made from that print. I'm not going to throw them out because I want them for binding. I want them for trims. I can't waste it. It's art. Absolutely. Every scrap of it is art and it's useful. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. When did you discover the Sober 50 community? In the spring of 2020, as we were all kind of wondering what to do with ourselves in our spare time, there was an article in one of the newspapers, one of the broadsheets about the sort of resurgence of sewing and the online platforms that were there where people could find resources where communities were building. And through that article, there were quite a few links into, from memory, it was the fold line. So I found the fold line, you know, which is a great sort of platform of resources, patterns and community. And I think the point at which I found the fold line went onto the website, Black and Blankers was modelling her, her flight suit. You know, So there is this stunning over 50s sewist you know, with this amazing jumpsuit that had been named after her. And I thought, oh my goodness, you know, this is what you can do. And this is what being over 50 and being visible. I didn't even think of those terms, but I just thought, oh my goodness, yes, absolutely. I sort of just delved further and further. And then through Black and Blanca and her account, I found Sober 50 community. And after that, it mushrooms. You just keep making connections. You keep finding people and it just doesn't stop. Now you keep finding new people, you know, who make amazing things. You're right. From the humble beginnings in 2018 to now, the growth I think has been there because it's a very supportive community and it supports people, not just in sewing, but in other parts of their lives. And we're all doing a really good job keeping ourselves healthy, not just through sewing, but in our lives. Yeah, because everybody is nice. I think when you join an online community or engage in a bigger way with social media, it's always a concern. You know, Mm. you hear about all the nasty things people will say to each other and nasty comments left on accounts. And I've never come across that in the sewing community ever. You know, everybody's supportive. Everybody's nice and helpful. That just makes it much more enjoyable. Mm. It just creates kind of an online friendship. And your real life friends who aren't into sewing are, certainly in my case, I think in most cases, a bit baffled by it all. Yes. You know, how can you have friends online who you've never met? But, um, you know, friendships develop in all sorts of ways, don't they? And, you know, you, you can have friends whom you've not met in person. We're very fortunate that we could fly or train to Edinburgh yeah. to be together. But that doesn't stop the friendships just because you don't have that ability. That's right. Yeah. And I think that's quite important. I'm conscious that as sewists, And especially those of us, you know, who also like collecting fabric. You know, it's a privilege. It's a privilege to be able to do that, to have the time and to have the means and to have the means to travel, to meet up. You know, but I'm really keen and I hope, you know, that those who maybe are less able to do that um, for whatever reason, you know, still feel part of that community. You know, still feel that they belong in that community and that their friendships are just as important, you know, as those whom you are lucky enough and able to meet. That is reflected in the number of collaborations that people do through the Sober 50 community in Instagram. And it might only be one or two people where they will realise they've got the same fabric or they've got the same pattern and then they do twin posts. To me, that's friendship. That really is. Yeah. With the sewing that you've done, what keeps you sewing? 
I think in part it's the community because once you're part of that, you are effectively conversing with your friends about things you make and, you know, you want to continue doing that. It's a hobby. But I think it also, and people talk about, you know, the, the mental health and, you know, it, it isn't about mental health, but I think there's something about sewing and undertaking that task. You know, that does keep hands busy. It keeps minds busy, you know, which might otherwise run off and create thoughts, um, you know, or wonder what to do with themselves, you know. So it is a really good thing that allows you to focus and I certainly I benefit from that sort of you know personally I like and my brain is wide in a way that it likes to really focus on something and get into it um, and try and understand you know how it works and you know what I can do with it you sort of what I'm proud of or what I've done it's an interesting thought but for me sort of the sewing and developing my skills it's been quite incremental so I can't point at anything and say oh wow this is quite an amazing thing that I've done because I'm constantly learning and I'm constantly developing my skills, you know. So I've very, very recently, I'm about to try this out, gotten to the concept of interlining. And it was partly a conversation with Luan when Luan was over here and we went shopping on Goldhawk Road and Luan had made a beautiful skirt out of Julia's um, cherry blossom fabric. and She'd interlined it and created a, a stunning, substantial skirt from a relatively lightweight poplin yeah. through interlining. So I thought, hmm, this is an interesting technique. You know, I think I can do something with this that I haven't tried before. I can transform fabrics. This is new to me, and I'm about to try some interlining. And I don't know how the thought of a French cardigan jacket developed. I think it was just maybe little bits here and there and conversations, including Sandy going to Linton Tweeds in Carlisle and yeah. buying some tweed. And I guess, you know, a lot of us think I'd love to own a and have make a French cardigan jacket. So, you know, there's a few of us who have sort of had this thought and uh, are going to try and do a, I don't know if you call it a sew along, a mutual supportive French cardigan, <laughs> French cardigan sew. <laughs> yeah. So that'll be quite an amazing skill. And probably at that point, I'd say that's my greatest achievement when I've done it. <laughs> yeah. Tackling all of the processes to make that French cardigan jacket with people that you know online is going to make it a lot more reassuring that oh, yes, this step that I'm doing is right, or this step that I'm doing, I just need to tweak it, and there's someone there that I can talk to about it too. Yeah, absolutely. And as you're sort of working with these fabrics and say, this is what mine looks like, you know, this is what I've just found, you know, have you found that? Does yours look like that? You know, does this look okay? Yeah. It just gives that reference point and just a bit of encouragement as well mm. because it's a very long process, um, as I realise now, as hours of hand sewing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there is. So it'd be good to have that mutual support. <laughs> Elka, what advice would you give to people who are new to sewing? I think the first thing I'd probably say is, is to reach out to the community and ask their advice. I found it quite useful when I got back into sewing to pick up a few of the indie patterns. They vary. They're not all the same. Some of them have quite good instructions for people who maybe are less confident in the how, how to do certain steps in the process so you know getting a recommendation of, of a suitable indie pattern just to try oneself out with take it from there i think picking up the wrong pattern and trying to make a garment that is tricky to make is going to be frustrating and the community is so helpful you know that i will always encourage anyone and everyone to say just reach out contact somebody whom where you've seen something or you think they might be able to help you and just say this is what i want to do could you give me some advice? You know, yeah. what would you suggest I do? Because, you know, 
the community always comes back um, and offers, you know, very freely and helpfully offers its advice and support. Yeah, they do. I think the only other thing I would say, not to be too perfectionist, we are terribly perfectionist. Now, I do that too. And we kind of, we look at our me-made garments with a scrutiny that we do not apply to things we buy in the shop. Somebody said a while ago, look at everything from a distance of three feet. And that's not bad advice because that gives you roughly what you really ought to be looking at. Um, you know, don't scrutinize it. If you do, then take one of your shopboard garments, like a pair of jeans or something, and go and scrutinize it. And you'll be surprised how not perfect those garments are. Being too perfectionist can also be quite frustrating and discouraging, and it's not necessary. I think the other thing that I've realized is that garments are manufactured using industrial machines and specialist machines, which we don't have access to. So be kind to yourself as you're learning. Absolutely. And you don't need every machine that you see. Many sewers have said you just need an ordinary sewing machine. If it does zigzag and straight stitch, you can make a garment. You can make a really good garment. Exactly. Yep. Elka, thank you for giving us your time today to be on the podcast. And I'm really honoured that you were happy to come back on and have this chat because I've learned so much more about you. Oh, thank you very much, Maria. It's been an absolute pleasure. And thank you so much for inviting me and uh, for having this lovely chat. Thank you again for being on the podcast, Elka. <laughs> thank you. This episode of Sober 50 Podcast on Soul Organized Style was produced by me, Maria Thea Harris, with permission of Elka, sound by bensound.com. Listeners, if you want to provide a guest post for Sober 50, make sure you direct message Judith and Sandy at the Sober 50 account on Instagram. Also, keep an eye out for the next Sober 50 Live event that Bird and Molly are hosting. Remember, these Sober 50 Live events will always be available on the Sober 50 account. You can subscribe to Soul Organized Style Podcast, but with an S not a Z on all good podcast apps. Make sure you go back and listen to our free Sober 50 Podcast archive and if you can, consider supporting the production of this podcast on Patreon so I can keep producing it for you. We look forward to joining you in your sewing room next time. Stay safe, everyone.